0: you a lot of money too and that is change orders and that contractor if you do a change order they just take you with time and materials and off they go now there are other contractors out there that don't put down all the details in the contract it's a little vague and when you refine that later they now make that a different profit center for them in the change order so maybe their labor that they charge you has doubled It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B., where we talk home improvement, healthy homes, interior design, whatever else every (laughs) single weekend. Hello, Caroline.
1: Eric, 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 what's going on? You went to a concert. Uh, Would you say?
0: My ears are still ringing. And yes, I know I should have probably been wearing uh, ear ear protection, but it was such a good show. It was such a good show. And for all you wondering what I was doing, I traveled to Seattle this last week and got to see Rancid and Dropkick Murphy's. It was a punk rock festival. And it (laughs) was so much fun.
1: Such a rock festival. It was
0: awesome. It was awesome. Weeknight show, so I ended up going to hit my favorite Thai food restaurant in Tacoma. Ended up going to Seattle for the show, and uh, it was great. There were people surfing across the top. It was old school, and uh, nice. it was awesome. See, one if you're into music, and we'll talk home improvement in a second here, guys, but just this was the cool <laughs> part is, is that the band Rancid, who I'm a fan of, um, Olympia, Washington, had one of the biggest punk rock scenes in the country. And Hmm. so it was huge, so much so that Rancid wrote a song called Olympia, Washington. And they were talking about being at 52nd and Broadway, and all they wanted to do was be back playing in Olympia. And uh, so, of course, when they come to Seattle, where Olympia is 45 minutes away, that's the Olympia-esque show. So they started out and playing that song. And of course, every person in the crowd knew every word, and it was deafening. (laughs) It was awesome.
1: No, I saw the video. So, People were like, it was like one of the old slam concerts. Like everybody was jumping yes. up and down. And and I don't know. I mean, I know their music just a little bit. So I'm just on the periphery, but it was, it looked yeah. amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. That one was kind. awesome. It was awesome. Well, today I thought we would talk about since, you know, last week we talked about hiring the right contractor. And mm-hmm. so for kind of the yin and the yang discussion of this, I thought, why not? Why would we not want to talk about how to be a good client. Yes. Because you can be someone easy to work with, or you can be someone difficult to work with. And that can really drastically change the outcome of that project. Right.
1: Challenging. Yep. Definitely. I mean, and
0: I, I know I think, you, you've oh, had ahead. a ton of bad clients. I've had a ton of bad clients and bad clients many times is attitude, but we'll talk about that today.
1: I have to say, wait, I'm going to put a caveat out there (laughs) with my caveats, but I really haven't had um, bad clients. My clients are actually super good payers. So let's talk about payment because I think that's a huge thing. How you pay, the structure of what you pay, because that makes us feel comfortable with you. There is a, a, a relationship, a reciprocal relationship that has to exist between the contractor and the client. So how you pay, I think also how you trust us, because I think- if you don't trust us, you question every step. It delays the process and then it becomes a big headache. So let's, I think those yeah, are let's
0: dive into payment because many times if whatever your contract is, it should have a payment schedule written down in there of how things get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, this is much how much is down payment. What's the next, you know, benchmark of completion to the project, whatever that is. Those benchmarks are key. So first off, kind of tying into last week's show, that payment schedule is key. But if you're going to be the homeowner that pays slow (laughs) or really, really starts to micromanage that payment schedule, that can be an issue.
1: Yeah, you have to. I mean, first, you have to trust who you're working with. And that goes back to, again, in looking into who your contractor is, touching base with that from last week. You want to make sure you feel comfortable with the person because I think that's going to make a difference how you pay or not pay. And I know with me when we do environmental testing, unfortunately, everything gets paid up front. We don't wait until the back end. So if you're going to yep. go with a company like My Healthy Home, which is my company, uh, plug plug, plug um, plug, you're going to have to you're going to have to trust and and be certain whether it's from referrals or whoever you find out about us from that we're going to do right by you and have that understanding. So I think people get, you know, they get afraid. I understand that. But you have to at some point trust us or it's going to create strife in the working relationship.
0: No question. And that's one of the biggest first problems you see is that a homeowner has signed a contract with someone, maybe they've gotten burned before or whatever, but that trust isn't there. And Mm -hmm. usually that's one of the biggest signs of things going sideways is that lack of trust.
1: So how do we build trust? Like, I mean, also as a contractor, it's our responsibility to make sure they can trust us and and that they feel comfortable, right? So, I mean, what are things that you did in your business to help make a client feel more comfortable? I know what you I know, do. It's but
0: sometime, it's, sometimes it's a mental health thing as well. And let me just put a caveat on that one, <laughs> is that there are homeowners out there that have serious trust issues that have happened for 20, 30, 50 years beforehand. And no matter what the homeowner, designer, or anybody else does, there's always going to be a trust issue because they're automatically the skeptic. And I've actually to. let, oh, I've fired okay. clients before contract because I could tell that it was going to be a death march through this project. Cool.
1: Yeah, they were just never going to trust you. And it was constantly going to be just it. And it wastes your time, too. I mean, we have a lot of other clients that we cater to. So if we have to babysit you and walk through every step with you and it can get nitty gritty. I can imagine with doing a kitchen, Eric, with you. Oh, my God. I mean, they could get it could get very tedious really fast.
0: I'll be honest, when I was designing kitchens full times, there was probably on average about four clients that we'd get right up to contract. And I'd say, you know, we're not going to be a good fit. And I would actually let them go. And you had to be practiced enough to do that without making them mad. And I even got a couple of times, I got online reviews that I fired them beforehand and it was just like, you know, <laughs> Hey, I don't but care. You saw, it coming. You,
1: you saw this. Oh. That it was just, it was, they were never going to be happy no matter what you did. And it was just, you were, your hands were going to be locked and the project wasn't going to go south.
0: And coming from the contractor side, the beginning of the project is the honeymoon period. <laughs> yeah, right. it's like we it talked is. about last week, it's like dating This is that part that you're like, oh, everything's beautiful The We're <laughs> dancing through the flowers in the prairie to have a picnic And it's all gorgeous yeah, And if it's ugly at that point, it ain't getting better, folks It's no. not So that's the time that the two sides need to walk away But you're right, money is one of the biggest ones And, you know, we I've been talking with, uh, with Amber... You know, and we've got two around the house listeners Wait. out there that are down there working on Amber's bathroom. Tell them, bathroom. Tell them and,
1: who Amber is because people forget. Tell them about Amber. Yeah,
0: and I'll do this quickly. If you watched on social media this last few weeks, there was this contractor that was reportedly going to go repossess a shower. <laughs> well, you're not repossessing it because you it's not a car. You can't just go repossess it. Oh, And he second did. of all... <laughs> Yeah, he tried. Yeah, he actually did 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 her a favor. (laughs) He did her a favor by getting into the house and and most likely breaking the law and doing it. He exposed how bad of work he actually did. And that's the funny part of this whole story. And we come back. Let's talk about a little bit more of that because we're going to have to run out to break here in a second. But the funny part of that whole thing, and it's not funny what he did to Amber in in that. I mean, I, I don't want any contractor to ever do that to a homeowner. But the irony of this is him just absolutely having a mental breakdown and destroying that shower is it exposed the horrible work that was done there. And let's talk about that when we come back. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Caroline B. She's already laughing as we get into uh, the second segment of the show. We've been talking about how you can be a better client for your contractor. And, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of us started out early doing work for other people. What was your summer job there, Caroline? What were you doing?
1: Oh, my God. I had the best summer jobs. Oh, well, I mean, I worked the boardwalk. I mean, we could go on and on for stories like. I mean, working at the boardwalk, can you imagine what I saw? Like people coming out of the bars, drunk, stumbling up to. I played the game without going into this, but we'll have to talk at a later point. But you remember the roll a ball game? It's down there where you roll these balls up into these holes and then the horses or whatever they go across. And so there's somebody that sits there and and runs the game, right? So it's like you're you're an announcer. So this was my job. I'd have to do this. Step up, step in, give it a try. Guaranteed winner every time to play roll a ball at the New Jersey boardwalk. Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Win your honey a prize. And so these horses would race across <laughs> and you'd be like, number one's in the lead. Number one coming up on number two, number two, number oh, five is in the lead. Five's <laughs> on the outside, running high, running high, running high. Oh, here comes number seven out the outside. Anyway, so I had to do that for 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
0: that's Nice. <laughs> I started out when I was 12, when I was old enough to push a lawnmower, I started mowing lawns and I found this super cheap realtor that didn't want to pay for lawn care for his houses. And growing up in Eastern Washington, the Tri cities, we were kind of a boom and bust area because when government funding didn't fund the Hanford nuclear reservation, well, they'd lay people off. There'd be huge layoffs. And so People just bail out of town, put the house up for sale, get what they can and be gone. And so they'd have these houses that, that the lawns weren't being mowed, the the grass was white, you know, it was just abandoned. And so they would pay me at 12 to go in their cash to go in and, and get 12 these 12 years old? Fixed isn't
1: that like, isn't that against oh, yeah. child labor laws? Like, what is that?
0: Well, I was doing it my own, my own business. I then what? went to go work for McDonald's at 14.
1: What? Wasn't it like yeah, 16? Yeah, I got my minor work
0: permit. Oh. Yep. At 14, you could get a minor work permit and go get a job. So I, w- I was working 20 <laughs> hours a week at age 14.
1: Hence why Eric's a slave driver on around
0: the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, of course, going up through there, uh,
1: got into 12. radio
0: and then radio. I went and started working at a gas station and then all oh, the way up God. into- uh, everybody
1: knew somebody who worked at the gas station. I mean, we'll talk, we got to talk some home improvement, but we'll go back to gas stations. But I think growing up, there was always someone who worked at the gas station. You always had a friend. You always tried to get free gas. And (laughs) back in the day you could.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was the weekend mechanic. And so I'd have to come out and, you know, we didn't pump your own gas there. Actually, you pumped your own gas there in Washington where I was at, but uh, I was the, premium service guy. If you wanted full service, you'd come in, I'd come out of the shop and it would go ding, ding. Remember
1: the bell? You'd it, run over that, that little, little thing. and it- ding,
0: ding. Oh yeah. I had my white chevron shirt on and, and these blue polyester pants that you'd walk out and <laughs> With your name yes. on the shirt and pump the gas and go back and wrench on cars. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty yeah. cool. Well, we've been talking. We'll go back to stories on that in the next segment because you've got a good story on that one about gas stations. Yes. And well, Let's hold that over to the next one because that's a funny story. And I think people ought to hear that one. <laughs> let's go back to talking about being a good client. And, you know, it's funny. We've always had this joke, and it reminded me of the gas station, too, is we had a sign in the gas station that said, if you're going to hang around and ask questions, the labor rate is double.
1: (laughs) Well, that sounds like that could be very apropos to what we're discussing right now.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, because here's the thing, and we see this so much that my favorite clients were the ones that worked all day and came home in the evenings and they answered questions, and they weren't coming in and questioning every Single, single trade that comes in. Hey, what you gonna I, do over there? What's gonna what you know? Hey, what, what what's going on? You know? Oh, it was it was nice to almost like the TV shows where you go, you go do your thing. What you know when it's done? It it's. I always put it akin to having Bob Ross doing a painting and you asking him, "When's it gonna be done? Are you gonna put some color over there? Are you are gonna be doing this? Just let Bob Ross be Bob Ross."
1: The problem is, though, and this gets into me being an environmental inspector, is that so many of my clients have trusted their contractors, and then the contractors opt to do something completely out of the scope, right? So they use not a low VOC paint, or they decide, Hey, I'm going to put a little caulk here. And the client comes home and the whole house stinks like petroleum or, and these things happen and people get sick in their homes and the contractor's trying to do a little sidebar instead of asking the client. So there really is a balance. Like when do you ask the client? Mm -hmm. You need to make sure the products that you're using are okay. And I do blame contractors for that because they don't take it seriously when a client says, Hey, my kid's got asthma. Um, maybe someone in the house is older. So, you know, you, I also feel like contractors can't be just out on their own fly by the seat of their pants and just put whatever they want in somebody's house because there can be a problem.
0: I think it's, I think that's a 50 50 issue there because many times to me, you should have that. You should have that in the contract, right? Okay. I want to have, I want to have a spec out. I want to have, this is my paint. This is my caulking. This is the adhesives or, or this is the style of adhesives I want to use. You know, those kind of things. If you're using anything other than industry standard, it dang well better be written down on the contract.
1: But, you know, I think it has to be a 50-50 relationship. It's got to be reciprocal. If you're going to come with special needs, and it's really important to be working up front with your contractor and tell them what kind of building you want. Because some contractors don't want to do healthy building or they don't want to worry about the paint. They just want to put in what they want. And that's not going to be the contractor for you if you have special needs at all. So you have to find that person that reciprocal relationship.
0: Absolutely. We're going to have to go out to break here in a second, but the thing is, is like we just talked about as a homeowner, as the person having the work done, if you were doing something outside of the normal industry standard stuff, you got to have it in the contract. And then this, all of the healthy home stuff should be in the contract. If it's not spelled out, you have a communication issue that, yes, it's on the contractor, but you also own part of that as the homeowner because you're getting outside of what many contractors have expertise in. Mm-hmm. So many times, as you know, Caroline, they just go down to Home Depot, their paint store, Lowe's, wherever else they're going to, the lumberyard, and they're going, hey, what's the most durable caulking I can grab? Exactly. Oh, this stuff's epic. Boom. Mm, it's and in. now someone who has some kind of sensitivity – is getting sick and you didn't spell it out. You're partially at fault if that if you didn't put that in the contract.
1: Well, I think too. It's 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 a very it's murky waters, right? So even if you tell your contractor, "Oh, my child has asthma, please be careful about what you use." That contractor may have no idea what a safe product is. And as as we'll find out, you know, speaking with Andrew, th- this is all relative to the person right I mean one person could be okay with something that has formaldehyde where another person doesn't so it is a slippery slope so I think that's where you have to work together but you have to find a contractor or an environmental consultant or a building professional or a kitchen and bath person who is willing to take the time to understand your needs right I mean that's key don't go with someone who's absolutely,
0: absolutely. when we come back let's talk about that of getting the right team together and then then that's going to be partially on you as a homeowner I'm Eric G I'm Caroline B. And you're listening to Around the House. house. Today's indoor air quality tip is brought to you by Pyramid Heating and Cooling and PyramidHeating.com. When was the last time you changed your air filter? Do you have pets? Your indoor air quality is directly affected by the amount of pollution you're bringing indoors. Pets, open windows, maybe a dirty crawl space or basement, or lack of ventilation in your kitchen can all load up that air filter. Always check your system and make sure you're using the correct filter that the system was designed for. You know those cheap one-inch air filters are meant to protect your system and not take out indoor air pollution. Basic HVAC systems might need their filter changed every month or if you have something more high-tech like my system, it could be every nine months to a year. I recommend that you get your best filter you can afford as the better filters take out more pollutants out of your indoor air. To thrive in the great indoors, visit PyramidHeating.com, Oregon CCB 59382. That's PyramidHeating.com. You know two things only get better Women and white. Hey, this is Farewell,
1: Farewell Angelina. Angelina. And you're
0: listening to Around the House with Eric G. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. We have been talking about how to be that good client for your contractor because, uh, you know, we gave a hard time a little bit last week to some bad contractors last week. And, of course, this week we're giving it uh, to help you have the best project by being a good client. And, you know, Caroline, you were giving me a little crap this last segment about <laughs> being a slave driver, which Aww. I'll be the first to say it. I have no problem with that. But I'm
1: kidding. You know, I, I learned
0: <laughs> working kidding. at age 12 for myself, you know, of getting out there after school when I could be out playing with my friends and riding around the neighborhoods and the bikes. I was taking my dad's lawnmower and and going down and mowing a lawn on a Saturday or something hey, like that, that's you know, good. outside of you my soccer like, games,
1: you weren't sitting and playing video games all day long and not doing anything. <laughs>
0: that's good. Well, we oh. did play video games a lot. I'll say that because <laughs> a little side mark on that story. My my little brother, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, right? That's yeah, all of across course. the country. E. Cheese. Was this bad. was in the eighties. Yeah, it was in the eighties, early eighties. They had opened a Chuck E. Cheese in town, and their their one year anniversary. You could sign up and win an upright Defender video game, and my little brother won it.
1: (laughs) You talked about this before that you were like the Defender national champion.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. This wasn't skee ball, but it was Defender, (laughs) and I could crush it. But you know, and it made for good stories working though. I mean, I could I could write a movie about my time at McDonald's and even at the gas station with some of the crazy stuff that happened.
1: So you didn't have a Commodore sixty four. That was like the game. Of- no, we were
0: Ataris. We had Ataris. What?
1: I got. I got stuck. My parents got me like a Commodore sixty four. Oh, <laughs>
0: like- uh, we had Ataris. We had the Atari. We had the Atari word processor that I could put the game cartridge in the top. Atari was the best. So, yeah, it was the best. But uh, yeah, you have a gas station story that you should tell.
1: All right, but it's it's like a pass down story. It's not. It's not. It directly yeah. didn't happen to me. But a friend of mine was telling me a story about when he worked at the gas station, you know, all your friends work there. And there was this guy named Petey who worked at the local gas station. So Petey was, you know, he was a real laid back kind of character. And so one day somebody came in with like a bag over his head with the eyes cut out of a paper bag. And he starts telling Petey, he's like, give me your cash out of the register. And Petey's like, cut it out. You know, like, what are you doing, man? He's like, he thought it was a joke. He thought it was, you know, just one of our friends like joking around. Petey's like, cut it out. And he's like, take the bag off, man. And he's like, dude, I said, give me your cash and give me your cash now. And Petey's like, shut up. He's like, what are you doing? And then the guy takes out, I guess, like some type of handgun and shoots the garbage can. And Petey's like, holy hell. He's like, all right, dude. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, is this real? And he gives him the money. But this is the type of wow. stuff that happened, you know, because it was like friends at the gas station. You were never expecting to get held up and robbed, especially by someone with a, paper bag the guy kind of went lowbrow <laughs> with
0: the no kidding no kidding you come up with a gun but couldn't come up with a mask all he had <laughs> is a paper bag
1: what's that movie with uh melissa mccarthy when she robs like she goes in and she oh, wants sh- cherry pies what movie is that
0: i forget she's in so many movies and she plays the same character i keep forgetting
1: I forget, but she robs the place and she puts the paper bag on her head. And she's like, I'm really not a bad person. She's like, just give me some cherry pies or something.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get back to home improvement before we got everybody tuning out on us here. (laughs) (laughs) What's that sound? That's people changing the station. No. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They love us. And we love you guys out there as well. Well, so, you know, think about contracting, you know, and we've been talking contracting here. When you're the homeowner and you've got that contractor in there. There are things that can really be difficult for the contractor. And a lot of times it costs you a lot of money too. And that is change orders. When you say, okay, this is our scope. This is exactly what they're, what we're doing. There are two different kinds of contractor billing philosophies out there. What I see is the first one is that they have their their pricing and they hit it dead on. And that contractor, if you do a change order, they just hit you with time and materials, and off they go. Mm-hmm. Now there are other contractors out there that don't put down all the details in the contract. It's a little vague, and when you refine that later, they now make that a different profit center for them in the change order. So maybe their labor that they charge you has doubled or there's Mm -hmm. extra fees in there on the change order. So many times those change orders are much more expensive than what, if you were putting it in the original contract. So that's where you've got to be really careful as a homeowner is that by coming in vague and then saying, Oh, well, I decided that we're going to do this instead. Yeah. For many contractors out there, that is a sound that we all know. And it's what you got to be careful with. That's it right there. Chick-ching. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to make some money.
1: So I guess the question is, how if a homeowner say something goes in and they're not happy with it, how do they approach it in the most. Most non-offensive way to say, hey, I really want to make this change. So how would you like to hear it that, a, that somebody isn't happy with something that went in and, and that they want to change it? An ideal situation.
0: First off, I would get your contractor or your job site superintendent, whoever is responsible for the job site. Mm -hmm. And very unemotionally go, Hey, is, is this kind of done? Is this the way this is going to be? If -hmm. you don't like it, if they go, yeah, yeah, we're good. I would then spell out really quickly face-to-face if at all possible, what you think the issues are or if it's something that you're looking at going, this is not going to go like I thought, like all of a sudden they're starting to put like a tile backsplash up or a Mm -hmm. tile shower in or something like that, where they're installing something, say it early versus when it's all done, because maybe the contractor is going to go, Oh no, no, no. You don't see all the rest of the pieces kind of like that painting, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to look like this. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees maybe it's exactly what you're looking for but you you're having a hard time visualizing what the end result's going to be
1: but i think most times when people have a complaint so they're looking at it and they there's two reasons right they they either just don't like it visually like it's just not what they imagined in their head from a from a design standpoint right mm-hmm. or there's something structurally that is just looks off to them and they may not be able to articulate it like you or i would I think those are two different things. I mean, if you see something that actually looks like structurally, this is going to be a problem, then you might really have to reevaluate it with your contractor and maybe even break a contract because they're just not doing the job right. That's a, that's a big issue versus you picked product. Let's just say somebody picked a product and they, they picked the wrong countertop and they don't like the way it looks. Right. How would you want them to approach that? And they, they made the mistake. I mean, the contractor just picked something and it looks ugly now.
0: They're just like, that well, the, it. first off, if the contractor's picking finishes for you, you got a problem already. That, no, no, that's no. no. A I mistake. mean,
1: I mean, if the client yeah. picks it and then it goes in oh, and yeah. the client doesn't like it, how do they, how do you have them approach you with that? Like, what's the best way to handle that?
0: I think the, 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 the really at that point, I've seen this happen before where the client goes, wow, I made that selection. It sucks. Especially when there's <laughs> not an interior designer involved. This mm-hmm. happens more often than not. This is why with kitchens and baths and things like that, and it is kitchen and bath month out there, you you should have that designer as part of the process. It will save you money because if you just paid $8,000 to have countertops in and it looks like crap, guess what? You have a choice now that you either own it and that stuff's installed. There's no getting money back on that. No, no. You're paying another $8,000 to put in a better material. And maybe that thousand, two thousand, thousand, two thousand, three thousand 3000 dollars to have a designer help work through the process with you or more. I mean, I was charging a couple hundred bucks an hour as as an interior designer, Mm -hmm. but that money would have been better well spent to get a more cohesive project. And you wouldn't have had those kind of issues where it just didn't work.
1: It's hard. Like I told you, I put one of the the long narrow sinks in right on top of my, um cambria top so it was like yeah. the the they're these modern really i don't know how to describe it on, on vessel sinks yeah, yeah a vessel sink and it was long and rectangular and skinny well this thing was just a dumb idea on my part i mean it looked great in theory it like literally shoots water splashes out. up oh, right oh
0: my god and then so, you have to wipe down around the base of it perfect exactly example. hey when we come back let's wrap up this discussion with the last segment we'll do that just as soon as around the house returns Hey, it's Eric G. with Around the House. Are you looking to grow your business? Need a spokesperson for your company? Maybe an MC for an upcoming trade show? Or maybe you want to up your game and shoot some promotional videos? My team of experts would love to chat with you. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and fill out the contact us form, and we'll set something up. Thanks for listening to Around the House. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B., where we talk home improvement, healthy homes, interior design, everything from the front fence to the back. Hey, hey. hey Caroline, this is not your grandmother's and grandfather's home improvement show.
1: Oh, one caveat coming out of the break. Uh, we are back up on Instagram, so we are official Around the House show. So we have other... um handles but that's the one that originally we got hacked and we thought we were going to lose it but we didn't so if you want to like us on instagram it's around the house show
0: there we go and then uh, if you're listening to the podcast right now make sure that you are following or subscribing to that so that way you get all the updates on the show if you're listening on the radio thanks for listening on the radio if we get preempted you can always catch the podcast each and every saturday and you're missing the Wednesday one, too, so make sure that you follow us on any podcast player. Well, we've been talking being a good homeowner for your contractor, those good skills of being a good customer.
1: Yes, and, we, we need that.
0: Yeah, and so some of the things that we talked about before were making sure that all your needs and requests were in the contract, mm-hmm. not being the overly hovering <laughs> kind of like helicopter parent <laughs> over the project you know, yes. making sure that you're paying the bills on time, that you're you're, you're, you're getting things taken care of, uh, you know, and of course that. But some of the biggest ones that I've seen, too, and this comes out of a story, and we're not going to get into too many horror stories here because we'll do that for Halloween, uh, which is coming up. Ooh, exactly. Here's one of the things that I've seen where the, one of the biggest mistakes that I see homeowners do is they do the... Well, I'm doing a kitchen remodel. I'm building a new house. And the week after my completion date, I have a wedding at the house or I've got Thanksgiving what? or I've got a whatever. What is that?
1: What like, what is that about?
0: Well, they were, they're so excited to show off their new home yeah. or their new renovation. They've got everybody coming over the following week. There was a project I did in Seattle, probably 15 years ago. New house construction on the water, multi-million dollar house. And the homeowner scheduled their daughter's wedding the week following the estimated completion date for the house.
1: Dun, dun, dun. A
0: Denied. week before the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> they haven't painted the house. The landscaping hasn't been done. So that week was like watching a extreme home makeover project. <laughs> Because the contractor was trying to do everything they could to get it done. But you know what the problem is? Is it's the most inefficient way to do it. If you've ever seen one of those extreme home makeover houses, the quality is not great because you are pushing everybody well beyond their craftsmanship abilities. And fast usually doesn't mean good.
1: Well, in a time period like we're in now with COVID, that's not even going to happen. I mean look, if you put that kind of parameter on your contractor now they'll be walking out the door because they're everybody's so busy and slammed. I mean you're lucky you get anybody for 2 weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and like for instance a great example. I mean out there at the uh, Parade of Homes this year there were some gorgeous houses, but still you'd walk into a shower and you'd see due to back orders and stuff even for the Parade of Homes they're missing You'd see time. a shower valve missing that was blanked out or There was one builder I looked at this a month before when I was out there walking through, and I'm like, that house ain't gonna be done. <laughs> and they were trying to, I mean, they were, they were giving a good old college try, but I'm like, <laughs> okay, it's a month till the show, and this is a probably a $2 million house, and they haven't even got insulation in. I know. It you happened. said
1: you were out there. You were like, he went out as a previous, like just to preview what was going on, and he came back and he's like, I don't think this is gonna be done.
0: Yeah. No way. Oops. Yeah. And that, and that builder, you know, not talking any shade, he always, is it the last minute on that stuff? And he got burned on this one. You just couldn't do it in 2021. Coming into nah. 2022, you just can't run it that time anymore. Now. You
1: just don't have, we just don't have the access. There's too much weight for product.
0: Yeah. Just, it just you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there. But that's one of the big ones is not scheduling that. And, you know, being reasonable, you've got to, as a homeowner, one of the most important things you can do is mindset, right? You've got to be, this is an emotional process. If you're doing a renovation or building a house, especially a renovation because you've got people in your house every single day, and there's this emotional flow to the project. You're excited to get going. It's great. Everything gets torn out. Oh, my gosh, this is exciting. And then the crash comes, and this is the emotional crash. This is the part that's on you. That part of you is that part where you're like, I'm sick of people being in my house. Yeah. I wanted to sleep in this morning. I've got people showing up at eight o'clock. Uh, I want to have a zoom meeting in the office and all I can hear is saws, you know, whatever that is. Silica
1: dust everywhere. I mean, listen, my biggest pet peeve, I love doing home improvement stuff, but it's a mess. And no matter how well your contractor cleans up, you've got days of cleaning. Every time somebody walks in the house is filthy. You know, it's, it really is. the do- You got to have your dogs pinned up. You can't have the animals running around.
0: It's just, it's a lot. For an interior renovation, one of my most important tips that I tell people is have in the budget a cleaning service to come through and clean up before you get back in that house. No, that's true. Have them come through Amen. and do it. Amen go through, that. clean it all up. Let them be the ones to do it because you want to walk in after that and go. We're there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this doesn't happen. I mean, it just doesn't if you have to do it yourself because it's not.
0: It's kind of like going to buy a new car, right? If you bought the new car and then had to sit there and wash it after it came off the car (laughs) carrier, peel the plastic off, wipe the marks down off it, and do all the prep work that the dealer does for you, puts the hubcaps on kind of stuff, you know? If you've got to do all that prep work, it It takes the shiny new off it.
1: It takes the fun out of it.
0: So have that done because that way you're good. And
1: is that typical? I mean, do they, would they do that? Like my contractors don't do that, but is there any, most of mine do
0: really see. Yeah. It's kind of a West coast thing. Many Mm. of them have the the house cleaner come through. At least the ones that I've worked with, they have the house cleaner come through and that's the last, like the final day.
1: Oh my God. Tools are out.
0: House cleaner goes through and just knock it out.
1: That's like, it's like, I guess they call it dirty, jersey for a reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah. it's just one of those customer service things. And it's cool. Cause you get, you know, somebody's going through, if it's a bathroom, they're taking the handprints off the glass and the shower and the mirrors that's are clean. Nice. And, I like that. You know, and to be honest, they're going to do a better job than the contractor doing it. The contractor's oh, not going to yes. do it. So just have the people go through. And the other thing I like too, is that they, if they're a construction cleaning company and there are ones out there, They have the right HEPA vacuums. They're not going to be Mm -hmm. grabbing your vacuum and trying to run your expensive Miele vacuum and running drywall dust through it, right? Do
1: not run your regular vacuum for construction cleanup. We could do a whole episode on that. No, no, no. You need to have a separate HEPA, either shop vac with HEPA filter and bag.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's just a mess. So that's the thing. So again, It's going to look crazy on you. You're going to, why am I paying three or 400 bucks to have somebody come in and clean this up? Because you need to. Mm
1: -hmm. No, you do.
0: And then the other thing I want to see on remodels that I think is really helpful as well is make sure that you and your spouse or you and your family are emotionally ready. Because I tell you what, I had a, a horror story that I'm not going to get too much detail in. We'll save this one for the Halloween show. Mm -hmm. where I had to make a conscious decision if I was going to call the police Mm -hmm. on the homeowner in their project. The police. Uh Uh-oh. You know, when the abuse gets so bad that I'm like, okay, you guys, I'm leaving the job site in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And if you guys don't cool it, the next time this happens, I'm calling the cops and they'll sort this out.
1: See, it's not always the contractors that can be a problem. That's why we're saying to you, Homeowners, you need to be conscious of how you're acting towards us. We're employees of you. So you need to treat us well.
0: Mm-hmm. And this one was interesting. It was not the, the husband abusing the wife, it was the wife slapping and hitting the husband because her laundry room wasn't the way she wanted it.
1: Oh my God. Oh, so she wasn't, it wasn't affecting you. She was actually getting mad at her she husband. She was in abuse, front
0: of you. physically abusing her husband in front of me and the contractor.
1: Oh my God.
0: So yeah absolutely crazy i mean good
1: for you for walking
0: out yeah i'm not putting up with that not putting up with that so these are things that we can all do to be better to help that process go along because we can't just pin that on the contractor what are the things that you can do and of course you know when the project's all done you know a tip you know baking cookies all those things are important
1: you brought up something. We end up being like divorce court. Like, so when I work with clients all the time, the husband and the wife frequently break out into arguments in front of me. And have you seen this happen? Like there's disagreements that go on and they're and like, we're just sitting there as the contractor or the consultant or whatever. And we have to see it happen. So we have to become very savvy at navigating that because people actually have their blowouts right in front of us.
0: It does. Well, we're out of time. I'm Eric Aww. G. I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. House.